0: Thank you for listening to this teaching from The Prayer Room. For more teachings, notes, downloads, or to subscribe to our podcast, as well as information about who we are and our upcoming events, visit our website at theprayerroomdfw.com. All right. Well, words that established our calling. This is our second session. And what I'm going to do in these uh, sessions is I'm not going to really give any recap. I'm just going to jump right back in. So if uh, you missed last week's, go back and listen to it. Otherwise, uh, tonight won't make quite as much sense, Um, but uh, go back and listen. So I want to start us off with the word that started it all for us uh, here, at least as far as I was aware of at the time, the word that started it all. And uh, that uh, has a lot to do with me coming off of the mission field. So many of you might know I spent a season of time in uh, West Africa in the nation of Mali. And I was uh, preaching the gospel to um, uh, Muslims and it was a uh, predominantly Muslim nation and the Lord was doing wild things. It was a sweet season. And during that time, uh, I started to feel the Lord telling me it was time to come off the mission field and I was burdened by that. I did not like that idea. There are times where the Lord asks us for costly obedience to take steps we don't want to take, and we just follow the Lamb wherever He goes. He made it clear, I came off the mission field, but the one saving grace in that moment was I had this sense that whatever was next was somehow more important than being out on the mission field, kind of frontline missions. I don't exactly know how to communicate that. I just felt like whatever it is I'm coming back to Texas, to Arlington for, I knew that the Lord had purpose in, and that that purpose was, was a calculated purpose against having a missionary out in the mission field seeing Muslims give their lives to Jesus and discipled in the nations. I mean, So I knew it was important, but I didn't know what it was. And honestly, I was hoping I was going to be able to get back in the mission field. Well, I am back in Arlington, and I am, over the course of months, the Lord's not speaking much. And the only thing I'm feeling more and more clear about is I'm supposed to be setting down roots in Arlington, which is the last thing a missionary wants to hear that they're supposed to be settling down, and this is home, and I did not want those words. I wanted, it's time to go, 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 but over the course of time, I got a job, a good-paying job. Uh, The Lord had me buy a house. That was the most tethering thing imaginable, and uh, while I was grateful for those blessings, it wasn't what I wanted, but uh, I I did, and what I did was, uh, as the house was um, being finished up, uh, I made a commitment to the Lord that the house was going to be a house of ministry. Now, I wasn't thinking house of prayer. I didn't have that language. But definitely a house of ministry. I was saying, Lord, I'm committing this house to you. And so the first week I moved in, I think I moved in on a Wednesday. The next day, which it was a Thursday, so whatever uh, day I moved in, I know we started the Bible study on Thursday night. The first week I moved in, we started a Bible study Thursday nights in that house. And from that day forward, There had never been a week, I mean, unless like everybody was sick kind of a thing, but you get the idea. There had never been a week where there wasn't ministry happening in that house every single week. So it really was a house dedicated to the Lord. Well, that foundation that was being laid with that Bible study allowed the Lord and uh, and I guess me to connect with a group of 20-year-olds that were going to wind up being commissioned to all this. And we didn't know that at the time. We thought we were doing a fiery Bible study and going for it and having some nights of worship. And, you know, we were watching uh, the, uh, the transformation videos on revival. And we were just, it was, we were going for it. But we weren't thinking anything beyond that. Well, one day I'm sitting on my couch. And this is the word that was the most foundational word for us. I'm sitting on my couch one day on my day off and I'm reading a book. And all of a sudden I start to feel the presence of the Lord real thick in the room in a way that's unusual. I mean, I'd only had had that happen maybe once ever or twice. I think one time in my life before that, and it was the night I got saved. And I'm feeling the presence of the Lord thick, and all of a sudden, I'm on the floor. I can't get up off the ground. My face is on the ground, and I'm trembling under the presence of the Lord, and I know something's about to happen, but I don't know what. And I hear the Holy Spirit say, start a daily prayer meeting tomorrow morning at 5 a.m., and don't stop until I come back. And I'm 25 at this point, and I don't have any grid for daily anything. I mean, daily spiritual stuff. Daily prayer was a burden for sure. 5 a.m., I mean, I want to make it clear. The Lord told me exactly what time to start the prayer meeting. I would never have picked a 5 a.m. prayer meeting ever. Start a daily prayer meeting tomorrow morning at 5 a.m. and don't stop until I come back. It's like, I don't know, 4 or 5 o'clock in the afternoon. This prayer meeting, which is supposed to continue forever, is supposed to start in like 12 hours. So I'm going from thinking I'm going to try to be a missionary in the mission field to now I guess I'm a prayer guy at 5 a.m., whatever that is. And I've got 12 hours to rally the troops, whoever the troops are, so that I'm not alone for this prayer meeting. Because I know it's not like me having a personal devotional time at 5 a.m. It's supposed to be a corporate prayer meeting of which I have no understanding of corporate prayer. Oh, and then this tagline, until I come back. A very disturbing idea, if you think about it. Especially for somebody who had no grid of eschatology. I was not an end times guy. I don't. I, mean, I'd read the Bible, but I didn't have any grid for what that meant. But we were supposed to start a prayer meeting the next day. Now listen, we started that prayer meeting. I sent out some emails. I made some phone calls. This was before text messages. So that's like old school. How in the world 11 20-year-olds were at the door the next morning at 4.45 in the morning, banging on the door, let us in, we're here to pray. It is a miracle that that occurred. What's even more miraculous is while we started the prayer meeting the next day, here it is 14 years later. And in 14 years, we have never missed a prayer meeting, not one time ever, because the Lord sovereignly started the prayer meeting. That's a terrible way to start a ministry. That's a terrible plan to start anything that you're going to do even weekly. I mean, imagine if you're going to start a weekly Bible study and you call everybody the night before and say, hey, everybody be at my house tomorrow. We're going to do a weekly Bible study for the next decade. Uh, Be here tomorrow. That's a terrible plan. It won't work. Well, it worked, because it was the Lord that started it, because he wanted the prayer room missions base, but we didn't have that clarity. I didn't understand this was going to be all that it was going to be in that moment. I just know the Lord sovereignly started it, and I saw 11 20-year-olds ready to go the next day, and then again the next day, and again the next day, and while the numbers went up and down a little bit, we had people praying every day at 5 a.m., 5 a.m. That's such a costly time, you know? 5 p.m., 7 p.m. That would have made more sense. 5 a.m. The Lord was so clear. And I I just want to make it crystal clear. It was so clear that it should be 5 a.m. Because I never would have picked that time, ever. But here we were all meeting daily. Well, a cool little just kiss from the Lord that night. So I sent out the text, or not the text. They didn't have text. Sent out the emails. and made the phone calls. And I've kind of gotten all the communication out that I think I can get out. And it's, I don't know, 9, 10 o'clock. And I'm doing a little bit of a kind of a devotional. I'm just spending some time just reading the Word. I'm thanking the Lord for what He said that day. And I'm reading the Word. And I, at that time, I was going through uh, the, uh, the, the Bible, just kind of doing a read-through. And I was going to read that night wherever I had left off the night before. And I'd made a little mark in my Bible, you know, with a whatever, a bookmark or something. And so I knew where to start. So I'm getting done thanking the Lord. I'm like, man, Lord, thank you. We're going to start this prayer meeting what does all this mean? I journaled a little bit. This is going to be crazy. I guess I pray now. Teach me how to pray, and then I open the Word to Second Samuel chapter twenty-four because that's where I'm supposed to start uh, in the uh, in my read-through. Now, what I don't know is Second Samuel chapter twenty-four is all about the house of prayer. I have no grid work for that. I don't know the word house of prayer really. That's not language I have. I don't understand all that. All I know is I'm reading 2 Samuel 24 because that's where I'm supposed to read that night because I read 2 Samuel 23 the night before. So let me just read you a little excerpt out of that. And I am on my couch shocked and amazed when I'm reading. Gad, this is uh, 24, uh, 18 through 24. Gad went to David and he said to him, Gad's the prophet, go up and build an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of of the Jebusite. So David went up. When Aruna looked and he saw the king and his men coming toward him, he went out and he said to David, Let my lord the king take whatever pleases him and offer it up. Here are the oxen, the threshing sledges, the ox uh, yokes for the wood. O oh, king, Aruna gives all of this to the king. But the king replied to Aruna, No. I insist on paying you for it. I will not offer to the Lord, my God, burnt offerings which cost me nothing. Now, I had just gotten done kind of like grieving slash rejoicing over this 5 a.m. daily prayer meeting forever thing. Because I'm realizing this is going to be the most costly sacrifice I've ever given the Lord. I'm having that, that's, when I'm on the floor and I find myself saying, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, he just kept reverberating that same, same phrases over and over. I found myself saying yes, but part of the reason I was in such pain over it is I realized this was going to be a very costly yes. It wasn't like do this for a few days. It wasn't like do this two days a week. The Lord was telling me, you're going to be at this prayer meeting seven days a week at 5 a.m. until, and I realized this is going to be costly so here I am now, just a few hours later, after I've said yes, I've sent out the emails, and I'm finding myself hearing David say the exact thing that was in my spirit. I will offer you this costly sacrifice. I recognize it's not worth anything unless it's worth everything. And so I've, I'm, I am weeping now, going, oh my gosh, you're with us. This was my first sense that this was a big deal. This was the first, now this was just a few hours after I got the word. Now... I'm calling this session Words That Have Established Our Calling. That's the first one. That's the starter word. Start a daily prayer meeting. But there have been a lot of other words that have been very um, intricate and, and and telling about our calling, our destiny. And I want to share some of those words with you. And uh, I'm going to do it by theme. And I'm going to start with revival. Because I don't know if you know this or not. The prayer room missions base has been given, I don't know how many, countless in, in I guess you could count them, but I don't know how. They're all over the place. There's so many. It's happened here and there. I'm going to give you some of the early words, though, about the Lord speaking to this ministry about revival. And I'm going to start, actually, with my own personal conviction. I was lost as an 18-year-old. I'd gone to church, I don't know, five times in my life or something. I have a powerful conversion with the Holy Spirit encountering me in my room. Remember, I told you the only other time I had the presence of the Lord land in the room. Holy Spirit fills my room. I start laughing out loud. I go, oh my gosh, God is real. I'm not an atheist anymore. I give my life to the Lord. And as a having never read the Bible 18-year-old, I start feeling like clear in my spirit, I'm gonna be in the middle of revival in my future. God is gonna use me in revival. I'm gonna be connected to revival. Somehow or the other, Revival and my future are like intermingled. Now that's a weird thing for an eighteen-year-old to—a eighteen-year-old a that has no Bible background, no history of revival background, no Sunday school lessons, no heard the stories of missionaries across. I had none of that. I just like knew I'm going to be part of revival. I had to kind of figure out even what that meant. I just knew God was going to be moving in powerful ways. Well, I'm having that conversation with the Lord for over a year. Feeling like the Lord's going to use me in revival and specifically there's going to be great move of healing in the midst of this revival. I'm, I'm filled with it. I'm also in a church denomination that doesn't believe that God speaks, that doesn't believe in the gift of healing, that doesn't really believe in revival in any of the ways that I'm thinking and feeling about it. And so I'm in a really interesting spot. And for over a year, I'm feeling the Lord talk to me about revival and not being a part of my future. But I'm not telling anybody that because I am a little bit concerned that people are going to think I'm crazy, that that's not biblical. I don't really know because, remember, I'm new at this. I'm a brand-new believer. Well, I finally tell someone for the first time. and, And I share everything I'm thinking and feeling. And when I first share it, two days later, I find myself at a conference these are unrelated things, at least in my mind, I find myself at a conference and people are getting healed. And I'm watching people get healed. Like, oh my gosh, this is real. I can't believe this. And this person walks up to me, was a young life leader who I think I'd met once or twice. And they come up to me and they, they knew that I'd just gotten saved, you know, in the past year or whatever. And uh, they come up to me at this conference and they, they say, Brad, the Lord wants you to know you're not going crazy, because that was a real strong feeling I was having. I was concerned that I was going crazy, and she begins to prophesy over me all the things I had told this person two days before. For the first time, I'd uttered with my mouth, it's now being confirmed about the Lord using me in revival in the future, in powerful ways, in healings, and seeing God move in, in, in like acts kind of ways, you know? And I was just, I'm weeping, and the Holy Spirit fills me. I get baptized in the Holy Spirit in that very moment. It was a wild moment that the Lord was confirming this call to revival. Well, so then, of course, I think mission field and all that, that's, that's my framework for how that's going to happen. Fun little interesting fact. A few years before that, uh, Amy, who I wind up marrying, you know, sometime later. Amy, a few years before that, was in a uh, prayer meeting praying for revival. And uh, that was just an interesting situation for her to find herself in as a teenager in high school. But she's at this prayer meeting and she's praying for revival. And if you know anything about my sweet wife, she is like the least weird, the least charismatic, the least fluffy, you know, weird prophetic stuff ever, person you've ever met. She's just like so steady, sober, and normal. A very trustworthy person. And so for her to say these words are pretty like, kind of like, whoa, that's pretty big time. Uh, In that prayer meeting as a teenager, she said she didn't hear the Lord say it. She just became like convinced in her spirit. She just was sure in her spirit the exact same way way that I felt. She became sure in her spirit as a teenager that the Lord was somehow going to help give her or was going to move in a way that she was going to be helping give leadership to wide-scale revival sometime in her lifetime. As a teenager, she's filled with this. In a revival prayer meeting, she's getting filled with this confidence, and it's confidence that like she's carried since that time. Well, I didn't hear about this till after we were married. So we've been married, I don't remember how long. Now I'm not saying she didn't tell me, I'm just saying I didn't hear it. So... But when I, when I heard it, heard it, I, we're married and I'm like, oh my gosh, like the Lord told me we're going to be part of revival. The Lord told her you're going to be part of revival. We married each other. And this is going to be great. Okay. Well, we've been engaged now for some months and we're doing that Thursday night Bible study. Okay. And uh, the prayer meetings have already started. Okay. Because we're doing prayer meetings in the morning uh, and then we're doing the Bible study on Thursday nights at eight o'clock. We'd also started a nightly prayer meeting. And I don't want to go into that, but now we're doing two prayer meetings a day, every morning at 5 a.m., every night at 7 p.m. Now, let me get real clear with you. We would pray for one hour, and we would never pray for one hour and one minute. Ever. It's like the juice will run out. We'll be back tomorrow. Just don't even worry about it, don't pray long. Don't just hold whatever. Did you get a word? Did you get a Bible verse? Did you feel a prayer? Write it down and let's start the prayer meeting tomorrow with that. We never went over ever. I honestly believe we've gone over one time, at least that I'm aware of, and that was this faithful night. So we'd been uh, married—I'm sorry—engaged for a couple of months, and we're in the prayer meeting from the uh, from seven to eight p.m. Because remember, every morning, every night, it's Thursday night. We're kind of getting ready for the Bible study that's going to happen at eight o'clock. And a lot of times people would show up for the Bible study. Sometimes they'd show up a little early for the prayer meeting. But we're uh, we're praying, and we get to 8 o'clock, and there's just something on the meeting. There's something in the prayer meeting. And again, we're in my living room, and Amy and I are engaged, and there's something on it, and we're just kind of like, I think we're supposed to go longer. And a few of us kind of sense it like, well, that's weird because we've never done that before. And we decided, you know what? Let's go ahead and pray another hour. Let's go ahead and go uh, from... Uh, 8 to 9 now okay and that would mean we probably don't have a bible study or eat into it or something well about i don't know 8:15 sometime into the second hour this person walks in it was a friend of a friend kind of a deal and i don't know it but this guy's a prophet and he's here as a friend of a friend and he's and the friends with him and and they come in they show up about 15 minutes into the second hour and they were coming for the bible study that's what they were showing up for well We're in the prayer meeting mode, and they kind of walk in and like, I don't know what's going on. We actually had worship that night, and like the Spirit of the Lord was moving. What happens in this time frame, the reason I'm giving you the details, the Spirit of the Lord starts to rest on this prophetic man. And that wouldn't have happened, at least not in the same way, and plus we'd have been in the middle of a Bible study. But because we're in the middle of prayer and worship, this prophetic spirit rests on this man. And he begins to start getting prophetic utterance for the prayer room. For our future, for this ministry, he doesn't know us. He's come to the living room once. He's heard maybe a couple of things from his friend, and he's there. And at the end of the hour, when the prayer meeting's over, because we've gone till nine o'clock now, you know, I say Amen, and he very politely he says, "Listen, uh, we came late. I didn't know it was going to be a prayer meeting. We thought we were coming to a Bible study. But sometimes when I'm in worship and prayer, like the Spirit rests on me, and I felt like He gave me some prophetic words for you guys." do you mind if I share them? He was very respectful. And uh, I'll take a respectful prophet any day. And so uh, I said, yeah, go for it. He He said, there's an open heaven over you. You will impact this city. It will look different from anything you've ever seen. It will be bigger than you can imagine. Your prayers are already changing the city you will break the water for many birthings in the spirit. This place will be a light, a great city on a hill that casts its light in every direction as far as the eye can see. Now, he's giving us revival language. He doesn't know I've got revival in my heart. He doesn't know my wife or soon-to-be wife has got revival in her heart. That These prayer meetings were praying for revival a lot. He doesn't know that. The Holy Spirit moves on him because we said go a second hour because we felt the Holy Spirit saying go a second hour. That's the only time we've ever done that in 14 years that I'm aware of. That's a profound moment. All right, so next. So I just want to honor Jeremy and Cammie Jarvis. I so love and adore that couple. Uh, They were part of leadership around here for 12 years. I mean, they were just precious. And part of this story goes back to how they got introduced to us at the prayer room. So it was actually just a couple of months later uh, after, let's see if I got the timing right. Yes, two months later, which is just so fun. After that prophet came to our living room, and I'll share more of that prophetic word in a little bit, but he's more or less prophesying revival over us, and that'll be clearer here in a minute. Uh, But he's more or less prophesying revival over us. Two months later, Jeremy and Cammie, who we won't meet, for some months. But two months later, after we got that prophetic word, they got a prophetic word, a profound one about being connected to a ministry that would be rooted in revival, that would be revivalists, that would be impacting the region. And the Lord told uh, Jeremy and Cammie in a prophetic word that they got from some dude in a living room, two months after we got a word from some dude in a living room, different dudes, uh, that they were going to be connected to this ministry, and it was going to be a house of prayer, and that this house of prayer would be, a, uh, would be young people, that there would be specifically this house of prayer was going to be a house of worship with worship bands and young people, 20-year-olds, uh, and that they were soon going to be connected to this group, and this group was going to be leading the way in a revival that was going to come sometime down the line. The line. So they're now waiting and looking and kind of expecting that the Lord's going to connect them to a house of prayer, that that house of prayer is going to be connected to revival. It's three months after they get that word that they hear about these little prayer meetings going on in some dude's living room named Brad. They come that night. They get connected to us instantly. And they just become so close-knit. And like I said, I mean, we're with us in leadership for 12 years from that point. And so just a a profound thing that the Lord was weaving them into the revival storyline, continuing to strengthen our revelation of the revival storyline. Well, something happened. And just a a little bit of time later, I had a dream about daily salvations starting to occur in our prayer meetings. So a revival setting, not just prayer, but a revival setting in the prayer meeting. So I'm going to read you the dream that I had. In the dream, TPR was in a much larger facility, maybe 800 to 1,000-seater sanctuary. And it was the middle of the week in the afternoon. Remember that from last week, all these middle of the week? This is a different dream that says middle of the week. In the afternoon, but there was a full team on stage. They were leading, and the room was half full. So you're talking four or 500 people in the room. We were in a season of revival. Lost and saved were flocking to TPR to be refreshed and encounter him. With no one preaching, people were getting saved all over the room, and this felt like a normal occurrence in that season. It felt like this scene was happening in all the prayer meetings during that season, and it also felt like we were 24-7 at that point. Just a profound combination of the prayer and worship dynamics and the revival setting of people giving their lives to Jesus and getting refreshed and renewed happening in the prayer room. Well, Andy, uh, one of our leaders, he had a dream. Very similar. Uh, the, the way that it fleshed out was a little different, but the very similar. Kind of a, a little uh, recap of the dream. He had a dream where the prayer room had gone 24-7, and we were experiencing an atmosphere of breakthrough and of revival. And everyone was feeling his love deeply, and his presence was thick in our midst. So just another dream about the Lord just confirming, again, revival, his presence, people getting saved. I mean, just a powerful, you know, testimony. Well, one of our uh, intercessors, one of our worship leaders, had a dream. And uh, this was just, you know, sometime later. Again, you know, not all these dreams, it's not like the next week. It's, we've been doing this for a while. Uh, but uh, this intercessor had a dream where TPR was traveling around the U.S., stopping in various cities, and it's like we were exporting revival to the city. It's like we were exporting what we had back home. The prayer room was in revival back home. That was kind of the setting of the dream, but now we're traveling around, and we've got teams going out, and it's like wherever those teams are going, they're like bringing revival with them uh, to these various places. So just a profound idea, concept. Of course, you can't export what you don't have. So, Holy Spirit, bring the revival. Uh, that same uh, worship leader had another dream just a few months later. And in this dream, uh, this was, this one's fun because of the timing of it for right now. I'm just going to read you the dream. You'll kind of figure it out as we go. This is just a few months after that dream about exporting revival. Okay, A uh, few months later. In the dream... Alan Hood came to TPR and he was talking about revival. He was in a living room setting, sitting on a couch, specifically to speak to the prayer room's ministry. Then suddenly, people started falling over in the spirit, crying out in intercession. We were all crying out for souls. Brad pointed at me and said, this is how I know revival is coming to us. He gives his intercessors travail. This is no man's doing. It's a work of the Spirit. I understood God would send revival by birthing it through his intercessors. Now, the reason that that's really, really interesting is because we've been trying to get Alan Hood to come here and minister for over 10 years. And it wasn't he was unwilling. It's We had weird reasons. We had to cancel two or three times. He had to cancel a couple times. We tried something. It just didn't work because he was already busy. Just like miss, 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 miss every time for a decade. <coughs> well, he just came a few weeks ago for the first time ever. He came. And because of the way that he came, he came, he wanted to make sure he connected to the prayer room. We weren't able to do a conference or anything. So we were trying to figure out best ways for him to connect. I'm not thinking about this dream. I just found this dream a couple of weeks ago and was shocked by it. But the way that we did this weekend of ministry as he came into town is one of the things we had him do was we had him come to my living room and sit on the couch and minister to a group of our teachers. It was exactly like the dream. I mean, Alan Hood in a living room on a couch. That's just, what a bizarre storyline. But here's the overflow. Something related to that revival broke out afterwards revival specifically related to intercessors travailing for the work of the, of the kingdom to go forth for the harvest. But here's the thing. In the dream, I said, you can't make this up. You can't just, okay, intercessors, go for it. I mean, we're going to go for it regardless, but you can't make up travail. It's a gift that comes from the Holy Spirit. And in the dream, it was clear that travail was going to hit the prayer room community. We were going to cry out in intercession for for souls, and the Holy Spirit was actually going to send us the revival. But it's all a timing issue. And I just marvel finding this just a few weeks before I'm going to teach this session. Finding, oh my gosh, Alan Hood on a couch coming for the prayer room in the context of teaching on revival. I was like, this is nuts. Well, if you didn't count the sources there, that was seven different individuals unrelated to each other mostly that were having dreams or prophetic words, about the prayer room entering into revival in its future. I want to tell you, I believe TPR's future has revival in it for real. Next, our call to start other houses of prayer. Okay, so all those words were about the Lord plumb lining us establishing, us, establishing us to believe for revival. We're doing this prophetic history because I want to engage you in the story. I want these to be your stories. I want the prayer room's future and destiny and hope to be your future destiny and hope, what you're pressing in for. And so we believe that revival is coming and that we're going to get to be a part of that. And I don't think we're like the only thing going. There could be 100 ministries in the city that are all a part of it, or 200. I don't know. I just know that we're going to get to be a part of it. And I want us to believe for that. It's one of the reasons we continue to contend for a revival. All right, next, our call to start houses of prayer. So now this is something different. You can be all about revival and never start a second house of prayer anywhere ever. So this is a completely different aspect of our calling, but one that the Lord has rooted us in. He has made clear on countless occasions. First of all, this one's kind of bizarre to me. We start prayer meetings the next day. That word that I got was on September 12th, 2005. We started the next day, September 13th. Well, in that prayer meeting... I don't know what to pray for. We've never done this before. I don't even know what it's about. It's not like you gave us any prayer topics. I just know that over the coming weeks, we find ourselves praying because uh, we start to connect the dots. Oh, my goodness, this is like an IHOP thing. Like we're supposed to be a house of prayer. We start to get that language. We go, oh, my gosh, we're, we're a house of prayer like a little IHOP kind of a thing. But here's the part that's bizarre. Early on, this was actually a bit presumptuous. It was certainly weird, but it was presumptuous. We started praying for God to start houses of prayer all over the Dallas-Fort Worth region. We just started to, like, take authority and be like, God, birth houses house of prayer over, all over the place. We started praying for him to birth them all over, but then we started to pray for him to birth them in specific areas. And one by one, we started hearing reports of houses of prayer being birthed in those specific areas. It was weird, it was so weird to hear that, because we knew that God was answering our prayers. who are we there's just like eight of us in a living room on a big day we 're praying for God to birth houses of prayer all over the city, and they're they 're popping up in places we didn't pray for because we 're praying all over, but then they 're popping up in the exact places we 're praying for, and we 're getting connected to these people and forming kind of a loose network guys. I went back and I, I looked at it again today because I I just couldn't believe that it was the real number. I went back and looked at it today. I have a contact list from not long after that with 30, 30 houses of prayer. The name, the director, their phone number, and their email address. And a little bit about their hours of operation. I'm not saying about 30. I'm saying we had 30 houses of prayer in the region in that season. Everybody I was talking to in that hour and even to this day, no one knows of any place on the planet any city anywhere that has 30 houses of prayer. Now, there are not that many now. There's about 18 now. Still, nobody knows of a city that has 18. It's bizarre to me that the Lord called us to start. I mean, while we're trying to figure out who we are, what we are, it doesn't make any sense at all to invest outside of your fence. But we feel called from early on to pray for the Lord to start houses of prayer all over. And then he allows us to be a connection point for all these different ministries, and 30 of them over the course of the next few years, 30 ministries in the Dallas-Fort Worth area were calling themselves a house of prayer, and were doing prayer sets. That is so crazy, and that the Lord allowed us to be knit into that storyline. Well, I got another one. It's kind of funny. So, in high school, remember, I was lost. I was a mess. I was, I mean antics, accolades, trouble, problem. I was always trying to cause problems. I woke up every morning and I was like, the world is my playground. I want to cause problems today because that's so much fun to do. And so I had a nickname in high school, Firestarter, okay? And so, I i mean, it was even engraved on my yearbook. Like, I mean, I had Firestarter on my yearbook. So it's like, this was like a real thing in that season. And it's funny the way that the Lord wove it into the storyline because I had that as an unredeemed lost person. I had that branding over over my life, and I loved it because I I obviously, I mean, I uh, very intentionally was trying to start fires everywhere, and so it was important to me to be a problem everywhere I went, and the Lord redeemed that term, fire starter, and he started to use it prophetically in this season that we're describing here. But now he's using it to describe starting houses of prayer. know, if you ever see our logo, it's a house with a flame that completely uh, consumes, you know, the whole thing. So you're behind me. It's a, but you, when, the, when you see the color version, it consumes the entire house. This flame consumes the whole house. And the Lord was speaking to us about starting houses of prayer. And frequently, he was using the language of little flames being those fires, and we were gonna start these fires. Well, remember that night that I told you that the, uh, the prophet came into the living room? Well, he said more stuff. Let me give you another excerpt of what he said that night. And, and again, the prophetic spirit's resting on him, okay? He says, can I share, you know, these words? I said, sure. He doesn't know we're thinking about houses, starting houses of prayer. He doesn't know we've been praying for God to birth houses of prayer all over the region. That's not in his uh, framework. He says this, I see little flames popping up all over the city. You're starting these fires, they are houses of prayer. You'll start here, and then from here, you'll start fires all over the place. I see them on the east coast and overseas. You are going to get the vision out. Here he's saying, you're going to do this little house of prayer thing, but it's going to multiply. You're actually going to export the flame. You're going to export the house of prayer, and you're going to start houses of prayer all over, nationally and even internationally, I heard that, and I just, I mean, I looked at Amy, and she looked at me, and I was like, how does this guy know this? This is, this is crazy, and not only that, I'm looking at the term fire starter, and I'm like, I'm a fire starter, but that meant something completely different a minute ago. I'm like, man, Lord, that was the first time that I'd heard that. Well, I'm now, uh, let's see, this is, uh, this is just a few weeks later, is that right? No, 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 a year later. It's a year later, and we've taken a, a road trip, about 20 of us, up to IHOP Kansas City, and uh, we've got maybe 15, 20 of us in that we're up there. And Andy's with me. And I remember people are in the prayer room. They're around. They're, you know, in the prophecy rooms. They're kind of all over. And me and Andy and a couple others, we're in the lobby of the prayer room uh, in IHOP Kansas City. And we're up at the front desk, and we're talking to this lady who I will forever uh, refer to as Hospitality Mary because she's just the sweetest ever. And Mary, I love you. If you're out there, you've let us stay at your house multiple times, you're a blessing. Well, we're meeting this greeter. Her name's Mary. She's at the front desk, and she's the sweetest. And she's like, Well, what's your story? And we just got done telling her, We're House of Prayer, we just started all this stuff. Uh, We feel like the Lord's called us to start houses of prayer, like all over the place. And, like, like the Lord's given us some weird prophetic words about it. It's really, really cool. And she's like, okay, that's great, man. That's so great. She prays for us. A couple minutes later, this guy walks by. His name's Steve. And apparently, Steve has a reputation up at IHOP in that season of being a prophetic guy who, like, just sees stuff, okay? Now, Mary has heard us. Nobody else has heard us. Steve walks by and he's like, hey, Mary, whoa. And he goes, does that, whoa. And he points at me and he says this, whoa, you're a Mike Bickle, a man of fire, a fire starter. I see you starting fires all over the place. He says that, he goes, he walks off. And and Mary looks at us, and I look at Mary and I go, What? She goes, Oh, that's Steve, he does that. And I was like, I was like, Did you hear what he says? Yeah, yeah, you just got done telling me all that. That's that's the word of the Lord. You guys are a fire starter. I was like, Oh, my gosh, we had no idea. I mean, the exact language. You're a fire starter. You're a Mike Pickle. You're going to start out of prayer all over. Crazy. All right, so now it's a little bit of time later, and I'm in Atlanta for a conference. And, uh, you know, I mean, nobody knows that we've heard these words. Nobody would even care. I'm up front for the ministry time, and uh, they're, you know, praying for people to, I don't know, get refreshed or renewed or something like that, you know. It wasn't about House of Prayer stuff. And anyway... I'm, I go up to the front, and I, uh, I, I stand up at the front, and I've got my hands open, you know, and somebody comes up behind me and starts praying for me. And they start praying, but then they start, they start prophesying. And they say the following. I, they've got my ha- their hand on my shoulder, and they say, I see you starting fires. You're going to start fires all over the place, lots of them. You're a fire starter. I'm like, this is some random dude praying for me, getting the prophetic word of the Lord in Atlanta. Okay, so it happened in my living room. It happened in IHOP's living room, if you will, and it happened in Atlanta. I'm like, man, this is crazy. This is a real word. Well, we have had more words about being a fire starter, but I just just got a fun little one for you, okay? So I don't know if you can see this. I brought my yearbook. It says fire starter. Can we get the slide up there? Yeah, so, okay, let's see. It says Firestarter up there, but I don't know if you can really see it. Maybe we can put the picture up. Is the picture going up now, and I just can't see it on the screen? Is that happening? Yep, awesome. So Firestarter. So there you go, people. It's real. I told you. I told you it was a Firestarter. I just thought that was a fun thing. I thought, well, I got the prop. I'll bring it. Okay, so uh, now we're going to move on. Not Firestarter. Now we're going to talk about the promise of growth, blessing, and prosperity. This one gets bizarre. I mean, the things that the Lord has said to us are so incredible and strange, even the ways that he's communicated some of this, all right? So, as a rule, I mean, right now, I think we've got like 90 people committed to prayer meetings, something like that. We've been doing this for 14 years. It feels like we ought to have 900 people committed to prayer meetings. I mean, that's how I feel anyway. The Lord has consistently, however, in our smallness, given us prophetic words about future growth, blessing, and prosperity, and I want to share some of those with you. Now, I promise this all comes together in a way that you're like, okay, I'm actually glad you shared the details. But I want to give you the details, and it's it's several times where the Holy Spirit was just speaking to me. Now, I do want to give a little disclaimer. I don't have this kind of, like, encounter with the Lord very often. I mean, I'm just like you. Most of the time I'm praying, and it's little light impressions, and it's little things. There's very few times where I feel the Holy Spirit, like, speaking to me in paragraphs. I mean, speaking to me in a dialogue sort of a way where I can, like, ask questions and feel like he's answering and it's real. That doesn't happen to me very often. It's happened a handful of times, and I'm probably telling you, like, most of them that have ever happened to me. And they've almost all been, I think they've all been about the prayer room. So it's not even that I even get that from my own personal life, okay? So I just want to share that with you. I'm in the prayer room one day, and uh, we're in a season of pruning, okay? And we'll, we'll get into that in a later session because it's important to who we are and what we're about But we're in a season of pruning where things are not going well. The numbers are going down. We're taking it on the chin. It's a difficult time. And I'm in the prayer room talking to the Lord about all that. And all of a sudden, I hear the Holy Spirit speak really clear to me. This was one of the first words, not the first, but one of the first words where I had a a sense that we were really going to experience some blessings and growth and prosperity. I'm in the prayer room talking to the Lord about this. And I hear the Holy Spirit clearly say, this season of pruning has been from me so that the next season will be your greatest season of fruit now that's actually what pruning's for in real life i'm not you know much of you know into herbs and plants and gardens and stuff but like that's what you do that's how that works you prune the tree so that next year when the tree comes back it's giving its uh, fruit as bigger and better and stronger. So the pruning, if you're a tree, I just have to imagine it's an owie to lose a limb, but it's actually better for you. And I'm hearing the Holy Spirit say, you're going to go into the greatest season of fruit you can possibly imagine. And it's because of this pruning, it's actually going to prepare you for what's coming. Well, it's now just a week later and I'm back in the prayer room. I mean, I'm in the prayer room a lot, but I'm in this moment where the Holy Spirit's kind of continuing the dialogue. It's, it's kind of interesting with God because he doesn't ever miss a beat. So he can stop a conversation and then start it again a week later. And it's like, for him, no time has passed. You know, for you, you've, had a, you've lived a week. You know, I'm like, they're, I'm like, whoa, whoa, you're back to talking again. Well, I mean, it's kind of a crazy moment. I heard the Lord say, the next season will be the best season of your life. I knew it would strike every area of my life when I heard that. Even my friends would be blessed. And as soon as I was thinking about that, even my friends would be blessed. Even as, as I heard that, or a thought that, I heard the Holy Spirit say, I will bless everyone connected to you. Now, that's an interesting phrase. I'm going to bless everyone connected to you. And it's not like it has anything to do with me. It's not like I'm cool. I'm just, I'm the house manager, you know? So it's like he's going to bless everybody connected to the house. But that phrase, I'm going to bless everyone connected to you, that's, that's an important one because it shows up again. <clears throat> so now it's, uh, it's, I don't know, another, no, no, same encounter. So that same encounter, I just heard the Lord say, I'm going to bless everyone connected to you. Then I heard him say, uh, I am going to bring answers to things you've been contending for for years. I'm about to reward you for your seven years of faithfulness. Now, it just so happened at that point, we were about seven years into our prayer meetings. So we've been praying, you know, daily for seven years at that point. I'm about to reward you for your seven years of faithfulness. I am going to open the storehouse of my bounty on you. I am going to bless you in ways you won't believe. I will pour out my grace with blessings that you won't be able to believe. Now, these are, this is weird. This is, I mean, you're hearing it now. And it's like, okay, these are just words. I'm telling you, these were resounding in me. I'm like messed up. Like I have to sit down and like process because I'm hearing the Lord in a way that, like, I know it's him. It's clear. And I go, he's about to enter us into the best season of my life. He's going to answer things we've been praying for. He's going to reward us for our seven years of faithfulness. It's a season of grace. It's about blessings being poured out on us. He's going to do things we wouldn't believe. This is the dialogue that I'm having, and I'm, I'm processing it. I'm kind of journaling a little bit. Well, in the aftermath of that encounter, I'm sitting in the prayer room uh, and well, at various points, I'm pacing. Sometimes I'm sitting. I Remember, right where I was in the prayer room when I had this part of the encounter. So I'm, I'm remembering seven years of faithfulness, rewarded for seven years of faithfulness. I was like, that sounds like Bible language. I'm like, where is that? Where is that passage? Where is it about being blessed after the seventh year? I'm trying to process that, and I'm like, I know it's in there somewhere. Uh, and so I'm looking up, you know, I'm opening up Bible Gateway and I'm trying to figure out, you know, where is it about being blessed after seven years? Because that's what the Lord just told me. He's about to reward us for our seven years of faithfulness. And so I'm looking and I, I land in Leviticus 25 and I'm reading the passage. And it, I mean, it's kind of making sense, but it's not like striking home. I'm expecting I'm going to go to this passage and have this like wow moment that's a story to tell. Okay. And I'm reading Leviticus 25 and I'm just like, I don't know, I don't. It's not really connecting. And I don't know the context of the passage yet, okay? But remember, I'm, I'm reflecting on a season of grace where he's going to pour out on us, okay? That's the whole point, a season of grace being poured out on us. And this seven years of faithfulness. So I'm in Leviticus 25, and I decide, you know what? I'm going to go back a page, not just this particular part, but I'm going to read the context. Because I don't know the context of the passage yet. I mean, I'm reading the verses, but I turn back the page, and the header Over that passage is year of jubilee. And as soon as I read that, I go, I do this. I'm reading and I go, oh, year of jubilee. I remember seven years of faithfulness, you know, then the year of jubilee, you know. Oh, and then, you know, then there's the super jubilee that happens after, you know, the the 49 years, the seven sevens. And I'm like, I, I, but I do this. I read it. I go, year of jubilee. go, oh. Now this, get ready. This is crazy. I go, oh. And as soon as I look up, in the room walks a young lady named Jubilee Grace. Her first name is Jubilee. Her last name is Grace. And she walks in the room the second that I look up and go, oh, you're a Jubilee, a season of grace. She walks in the room. And I I am dumbfounded. I am dumbfounded. I, I look at, she had come around. It wasn't like that was her first time there. But she hadn't been around in a while. And she did not come around all the time, but she came in the second that I prayed that and looked up, there's Jubilee Grace, and I go, I believe it. We're, we're going to get rewarded for the years of faithfulness. The Lord is going to show us a season of grace. He's going to pour out his blessings. Not only that, that, even that concept of the year of Jubilee, it's the year where the ground is going to produce. It's even going to be better. Like the Lord's going to do all this stuff after the season of respite. And so it's just, just crazy how the Lord did all that. All right, so... <laughs> It's a month later, and the Lord's talking to me again. I mean, again, I'm telling you kind of all the times this has ever happened. But he's picking up the conversation right where he left off. I'm in the prayer room, and he says, the time has come for you to grow up into the things that I've been speaking to you about for many years. The growth will be uncontrollable. You won't be able to keep up with it. I'm going to do things I've never done before. I'm shocked by this. Like, Lord, this is going to be so crazy. I'm believing you. You just gave me the, the Jubilee grace thing. You're going to do stuff. I believe it. You're going to do things you've never done. Okay. Well, it's now just a little bit of time later before we moved out of that building. And I'm kind of in a moment where I'm kind of downcast because we're moving out of a building that was great for us. And we're moving into a situation that I knew was going to be tough. And I'm, I'm just kind of sad in my spirit. And this is just a little bit of time after that last word. And I'm kind of like bum because the Lord's saying, Bringing grace and it's going to be awesome. Everything's going to be awesome, and I'm like, no, we're in a season of pruning, and things are tough. And I hear the Holy Spirit again. It's same. It normally happens the same pacing lane in the prayer room. So I'm big on pacing lane. Sorry if that sounds weird. Um, he says this. I am going to give you the craziest story. The finances will come at you from every angle. You will have more than you know what to do with. I've been setting many things into place behind the scenes, many things into motion, which you do not yet see. And I'm just like, I'm confident. It, part of the reason this was important is it's steadying us in the pruning. It's steadying us in the hard. Because the Holy Spirit keeps saying, I've got a plan. I've got a plan. I'm doing things you can't see. I'm going to bless you in ways you can't imagine. But we're all expecting, like, revival to break out next week. And so when we moved out of that building uh, into the next space, we're expecting Oh, maybe a month or two or three, and then we're going to write, start to see the Lord do some stuff. We still haven't. So the Lord's timing is not our timing. Let's just say it that way. Well, it's just in the coming months that followed that, I want to give you a few testimonies because it's backing up these prophetic words. Again, up to this point, this, you're going to enter into a, the best season. You know, the season of pruning was for me. It's going to be the greatest season of fruit, jubilee grace. All of this so far is just me. It's just me hearing these words. It's just me, you know, believing that these things are real. And so the Lord gave me some confirmations that were awesome and unasked for. And I'm so grateful. Three different testimonies. First, just a short while later, I'm at a pastor's prayer meeting. And the head pastor of that prayer meeting comes up to me. And he just starts to prophesy, which was not his thing. I'd been in that prayer meeting. I don't mean prophecy isn't his thing. I just him coming over and prophesy over to me. He'd never done that before. And I'd been going to these prayer meetings Every week for years. He comes over and he says, you're used to a thimble. You get a thimble and you give a thimble. That's changing. Now you're going to be getting a bucket and giving a bucket. He's talking about a season of increase and even using water language and talking about the more. And I go, okay, well, that's, that's pretty great. All right. Well, it's just, let me get the timing. It's a month later. One of our intercessors in our ministry comes up. And he says, Brad, I felt the Lord. Now, he doesn't know that I got these words. He doesn't know I got the word from the pastor. He doesn't know I got these words about season of pruning and all that stuff. He comes up to me, he says, Brad, I felt the Lord say this really clear. When I begin to bless TPR, it will quickly grow in influence, numbers, and finance. These are the exact components of what it is the Lord told me. It's like, I'm gonna bless you, best season of fruit, more money than you know what to do with people, influence, all this stuff, all right? So it's just, uh, let's see, a little bit of time later. You get the timing. Yep, it's just a few days after that. So it's like one week later after that word from somebody in our community. An elder, a respected elder in a church here in the area, he sees me. And he comes up and he just, I'd never had him talk to me before. He'd never said any words to me ever that I know of. He comes up to me and he just looks at me and he says, I see just an expansion over you and your ministry. It's coming. And he walks off. And I was like, what an interesting thing. Because it's the exact same thing the other guy said the guy. But it's all the stuff that the Lord had been speaking to me about. Well, in that season of time, oh, no, this was actually a little bit later. Sorry on the timing. uh, Peyton Stokes uh, had a dream that I just love. I'm going to actually read this dream. Most of the times I'm just giving you like a little, you know, recap of the dream. But this one's just so much fun. We were holding a staff meeting and Brad was announcing that we had to practice hiding because the occupancy police were going to be checking in on us randomly. And we knew they would make people leave if they saw how many people we really had in the building. What? So this staff meeting was dedicated to the staff practicing hiding all around the base in case the occupancy police came. Like, man, this is great. I really find the timing of this interesting right now. Okay, okay. We were allowed in this dream. We were allowed to have two around 200 people in the building at a time. But you kept saying that you knew that God had promised that we would have 500 people on the sacred trust. So you knew we wouldn't pass the occupancy test. And so I'm just like, what? Lord, this but again, a dream about the number of people connected to the ministry growing. We got 90 right now. For there to be 500 can you imagine what life would look like around here with 500 people in the sacred dress? How many intercessory missionaries that means and everything else? It's powerful. Okay, now we're gonna talk about another word. And this is one that I'm not, I don't, I don't need, I don't want necessarily. I, I mean, I'll take it if it's the Lord, but it's one that he's just made so clear so many times. Words about God putting TPR on display. Like a trophy. Putting TPR on display. All right. Remember those words I was having kind of, you know, every month or whatever back in the prayer room? Well, one of those communication times, the Lord said, Things are going to shift around here. Everything is going to change. Enjoy the simplicity of things while you can because the day is soon coming where you will long for this simplicity and not be able to find it. I'm going to put you on display before this city, before the whole region. Now, I don't. I don't need that or want that or care. I mean, like, but I am hearing it clear. I am going to put you on display in front of this whole region. Okay, it's kind of a weird thing to believe, but okay. Uh, This is now, let's see, uh, just a little bit of time later, a couple of months later. Same conversation that the Lord keeps having with me. I'm about to move on your behalf in ways you can't possibly imagine. Things you wouldn't even believe if I told you beforehand. How am I going to put you on display before the region unless I bless you abundantly and draw lots of attention to you? I just, I'm so uncomfortable about these words. I'm like, Lord, I, why? No, I mean, that sounds scary and like dangerous and stuff. Now, here's what's bizarre, okay? I don't think this is a fulfillment of the word. I think this is a down payment of the word. But we're believing that. Our leadership team's talking about it. And by the time, you know, that this thing I'm about to tell you happened, I think we'd even done a prophetic history and like talked about it in our community a little bit. The Lord's going to put us on display. The Lord's going to put us on display. He said it many, many times. Specifically on the region for everybody to see in the city. All right. Sometime later, I get a a phone call from a guy named Kyle Martin. Kyle is the director of Time to Revive and was going to do a fifty day blitz of evangelism in the most wild awesome ways imaginable across the city of Dallas Fort Worth and he wanted to meet with me. He's telling me about it saying, hey, there's gonna be ten different outreach locations and and all these churches. We've already got three hundred churches involved. I don't remember what the number was then. It wound up being like three hundred and fifty churches that were involved at some level. And then people were coming from even more churches than that. I mean people were it was at least five hundred churches ended up being involved in this thing at some level. And it went on for 50 days. And he says, hey, uh, listen, I, I just I want to tell you about this and just kind of hear what you want to do. Hear, hear what your thoughts are. I said, well, what if we went 24-7 and we prayed for it every hour or every two hours or whatever. We're praying. We're like the base hub of operation for 50 days. We'll go 24-7 and we'll pray for this Revive Texas thing. He said, that's actually why I'm here. I felt like that's what the Lord said that you were going to say. I'm glad you said that. Good. Let me now tell you the plan since now you're on board with the plan I came here to present to you. I go, Okay? He said, How about we spend a bunch of money and install streaming equipment in your prayer room? Lights and the the system and all the stuff. How about we spend, you know, $10,000 and put in streaming equipment into your prayer room so that we can broadcast out what's happening there? Here's specifically what we want to broadcast out. I go, Okay. He said, We want to do a morning devotional every morning. And the objective is we want everybody to come to these 10 churches, and then we want you to do a morning devotional, kind of a pep talk, and get us praying and get us thinking about you know, souls and how God's going to move that day. We want you to give us a pep talk every morning, early in the morning before everything starts, and we're going to stream it from your ministry that we're going to install all the streaming equipment for free for you. We're going to put it in there so that we can stream you out to these 10 churches so that tens of thousands of people in the Dallas-Fort Worth area can be aware of the prayer room, know that you're praying 24-7, and the people from all these different churches can know what's going on, and then you can be the prayer hub. What do you think? Oh, my gosh. I have never heard of a ministry getting launched to the region like that before. We got launched the region. I'm talking about tens of thousands of people. I don't know if it was 50,000 or 30,000. Tens of thousands of people heard about the prayer room and saw us on streaming for 50 days. It was the most bizarre. I couldn't even believe it. I was like, Lord, I would not have believed this ahead of time if you told me. I would not have believed this. This is crazy. Why would this guy even trust me Why would he think I could do this? Why would he, why? This is so crazy. And the Lord launched us to the region and yet still somehow muffled the launch. Because after that, we didn't grow. Nothing nothing like massive came out of it as far as what we could see with our eyes. But the prophetic words kept coming. I'm going to launch you to the region. As in, I haven't done it yet. That was just a down payment. That was just to see what I can do. I'm setting things in place behind the scenes you don't even know about. You wouldn't even believe if I told you ahead of time. Established in the region, I'm at a, the local. Uh, I'm I'm at a Bible study in Mansfield, and this is just uh, you know a little bit of time before that whole revive Texas thing. I'm uh, a couple of years. I'm at a Bible study in Mansfield, and I'm teaching, and I you know I'm teaching on I don't know intimacy with Jesus or something. I don't know prayer. I don't I don't remember what I'm teaching on. But this pastor that I know shows up at the Bible study, which is always unnerving, okay? You're doing a Bible study and a pastor walks in while you're already going, so you don't even have a chance to, like, you know, make sure everything's good. This pastor walks in in the middle of the Bible study and starts prophesying while I'm teaching. Like, hey, Brad, Brad, hang on a second. Oh, okay. I mean, I know well enough to know. Okay, you say what you want to say. There's a birthing in the Spirit over you in your ministry, Everyone in the area will say, I've heard of the prayer room. And I know where the house of prayer is. The finances are coming. He is about to release blessings on everyone you are connected to. Exact phrase. Exact phrase is. I was like, okay, write this one down. Write this one down. Another random uh, pastor shows up one time over at the pastor's prayer meeting. He didn't normally come. Good guy. I like him. He doesn't know a lot about, you know, what's going on with us or whatever. But after the prayer meeting, he comes up to me. He comes over to my car, and I, he's like, roll down your window. And he puts his arm, like, in the window. So he's, like, really close, okay, not practicing social distancing. And, uh, and immediately he says, Brad, I see the Lord giving you guys a place one of these days where everyone in the city knows that's the house of prayer. Exact language is the other day. Exact language, uh, known in the region, launched to the region. TPR being... Locally known, uh, one of our uh, worship leaders had a dream. In the dream, I was with this really well-known person, and a random woman on the street comes up to us and asks, oh, are you part of the prayer room too? The sense of the dream was that TPR had grown and had become well-known all over the area. That was the dream. I had a a dream. Oh, nope, this one wasn't mine. Sorry, it's kind of hard to keep track of all these i got two more words and we'll be done. I, uh, one of our intercessors had a dream where she saw me. And in the dream, she saw me writing the word of the Lord for TPR. And she saw in the dream the word that I wrote. And what I, what I actually wrote was several words. I wrote four words. Humbling, suddenly, exalt, and handed. These were the four words. And she understood I was writing the word of the Lord for TPR. This person understood in the dream that TPR would be humbled and then suddenly God would turn it around and exalt us and hand us greater authority and inheritance. Now, this dream was in 2015, giving a little bit of the season of pruning, the difficulty, but that there's a suddenly coming. I want to tell you there is a suddenly coming for this ministry. It's important that all of you that are tracking with us, you understand we're not going to experience steady growth and everything's going to be great. That's not how this is going to work. Now, I don't know that, I think we'll see some growth. I just don't think it's going to be like we grow the sacred trust from 90, you know, to 100, and then 100 to 120, and 120 to 150, 150. I think it's just going to like blow up one day. Now, I could be wrong, but I believe that the word of the Lord for us is suddenly, and I want to remind you and end with this, the vision that Marvin had last week that I shared all about what the Lord was going to do suddenly in the region. Marvin had a vision where Jesus was going to shift the atmosphere in this place. That he would send his presence and launch us into a new season of grace. In the vision, Jesus was turning on a huge neon sign over TPR that was going to start attracting people from all over the region. See, one of the things that I believe, whether we like it or not, is this is a regional missions base. And we are going to attract people from all over the region not because we try. I don't know that we have really put much energy into that ever. We're going to attract people from all over the region because the Lord said we would. The Lord, furthermore, is going to create a, a moment in time, a suddenly where he's going to exalt this ministry and he's going to hand us additional influence and favor and finance and authority. And I don't know if we're going to see some stagger steps before then or if it's all just going to come all at once in a flood that we couldn't even have seen coming. I don't have all those details nailed down. But what I do know is that it's not going to just go steady growth, steady growth, steady growth, steady growth, big. That's not the plan. We're going to see the Lord turn the juice up. And there's going to be wild things that happen. And part of the reason I want you to hear that is, that is exciting, and it is terrifying, because that means fast growth. That Fast growth always means angry people, because you didn't treat everybody the way that you would treat them if things happened slowly and carefully. Fast growth means broken infrastructure. Fast growth means uh, stressed leaders. Fast growth means a lot of things that aren't so glorious. So while there's a lot of glory on it, there's also a lot of gory on it, and I just want us I want us readied for that because as tonight was about the words of established our calling, we're going to tell the stories of what the Lord has done and what He will do. Tonight was just to kind of get us ready for who we are as a missions base, what the Holy Spirit has said about TPR. This concludes this teaching from The Prayer Room. For more resources or to schedule another TPR teacher to come speak at your church or event, please see our website at theprayeroomdfw.com. Thank you.